The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today's episode of Disability Matters has been previously recorded. Please enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, everyone. This is Joyce Bender. And I've got to start by reminding you, March 20th, March 20th, is the Bender Virtual Career Fair. And it is free. It is for students, college students. It is absolutely a great way to meet companies, a way to find employment. And we are so excited about it. What it is, is it connects employers looking to hire people with disabilities. And you will be chatting with employers across the nation from the public and private sector. You can participate, just think about this, coffee shop, dorm room, wherever, and talk about careers and internship opportunities and possibly win a $50 iTunes gift card. Really, what's the best part of it? The virtual career fair is about employment. And you can register at www.disability.careerecho, C-A-R-E-E-R-E-C-O, C-A-R-E-E-R-E-C-O dot net, where you know, BenderConsult.com. Just go there and you'll be able to find us. And uh, it, I'm so excited about it. We have over a 1,000 students that are already part of this, and it is just going to be fantastic. But anyway, hey, you all know something very personal to me and important to me as a woman living with epilepsy is quality of life for people with epilepsy. And you know, the chance to help others who are struggling. And my good friend and mentor and disability advocate and author of the Americans with Disabilities Act and just greatest person in the world, Tony Quello, told me about Amy Lott, the musician Amy Lott, and how it would be awesome for me to reach out to her and how she would also be a great person when I have someone on the show to talk about living with epilepsy. So, Amy Lott, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I'm good to be here. (laughs) Yes, well, it's great to have you. So, Amy, how about, since many of our listeners do not know you, how about if you start by talking about yourself, your music, and your career in nursing before we talk about anything else? Okay. Um, Well, I'm, um, like I said, Amy Lott. I'm from Meridian, Mississippi. Um, and that's a, um, the home of Jimmy Rogers, which is our claim to fame. So it's a music town. And, um, I grew up, I started taking piano, um, for my mother's piano teacher when I was uh, three years old and, um, and, and grew up playing music and, and started playing clarinet in high school band when I was 12. 
Um, but when I was um, 15, was in a car accident and um, started having uh, about, at the worst, three seizures a day and some, but more often a seizure a day. Um, but continued um, playing music and um, and and just kind of um, music was the thing that kind of held me together. Honestly, I used to take it up to the epilepsy floors at the hospital and practice my clarinet at the, while I was being monitored to try to figure out what was going on. Um, when I was 17, I got a seizure alert dog, which um, back then nobody knew <laughs> what a seizure alert dog was supposed to do. I, I thought I was going to um, get a dog that had seizures. Honestly, I didn't know when they told me they were going to give me a seizure dog. I was like, great. <laughs> I have enough problems. <laughs> I don't need a dog that's having seizures too. But um, but she was able to alert me um, 20 or 30 minutes before I had a seizure. And so that opened my world up a little bit more to be able to go to college and do some music, um, do more music. But um, I, I was trying to pursue a classical music career and um, realized really quick that in that world, there's only two principal clarinetists or one one pianist. And so if I got had a seizure, I couldn't be part of If I missed that concert, I missed a sixth of my paycheck for that year because you perform six or seven concerts a year. And so even though I, I was skilled, I couldn't, um, I, sometimes I couldn't make the performances at all, often. I'd have one right after I, or right before I, I had a performance. And so I started playing rock and roll music because it was a little more laid back. Uh, it took me a little while to quit reading music and to um to, to kind of let loose and, and, and just improvise but um they joined a little band that took me and princess my seizure alert dog around different um clubs we played um the epilepsy foundation things when they had things we um did a lot of, of work obviously i was having a lot of seizures so we were real real visual when i had it when i had a seizure people kind of knew our story and um but at about 26 i started to um just get I started having even more seizures. I was I was just pretty much sick all the time, and um, so I kind of gave up. And then um, my seizure alert dog was getting. At that point, she was thirteen, and so um, her. Um, I tell people only someone with a service dog would understand this. But when when she was thirteen, her she was a German Shepherd, and her back legs um, displaced and went out. And most vets were like, "Well, I'd tell you to." put this dog to sleep, but with y'all, I'd tell you to build, build her a wheelchair. <laughs> and so I, we built her a wheelchair for the next two years. Um, we, we kept kind of, kind of rocking on. We, I, I played a little bit, but played mainly at home and needed a lot of care. And when she turned 15, it did come time to, to, for, for her benefit. She'd given me so much to put her, put her to sleep. And at that point I, I got, um, I just, I, I just got, I gave up kind of on, on, on life, on even ever getting any better. I, I always had an attitude of that next hospital or that next doctor is going to be able to pinpoint, you know, what's going on with why, why we can't get control of my seizures. And um, it, it, I went, that led me from the hospital in Meridian all the way to Johns Hopkins, to Mayo Clinic, to Oshners, to every big teaching university in this country and um, just kind of never came home with an answer or, or, or any definitely sometimes had a medicine that gave me a little more control without maybe one seizure a day instead of three. And so um, when about the time Tony came into my life, I pretty much, I was about to hit 30. I'm 36 now. Um, and being at that point, I had fought pretty hard to still maintain some kind of life and, and interaction with people I loved and kind of felt like I was a burden and, and was getting the, the suicidal thoughts and, and just kind of not wanting to be a 30-year-old 
um, a person having a seizure a day, especially then the grief of losing a service animal. It was, was something I wasn't prepared for, honestly. There wasn't a manual, you know, for how do you lose this animal that has been with you since you were 17, you know, at your feet and taking care of you um, every minute. And so um, so I, I was in a pretty bad spot. And then my mom went to um, a conference. Uh, she works at the... Um, PV Electronics, which is based out of Meridian, and most people, when they hear PV, everybody has a PV amp or PV speaker somewhere. But the um, the the guy who runs that company is is a Meridian Knight and 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 started the company there and kept it there. And so she was at a conference in Anaheim, California, um, promoting PV stuff. And a mutual friend, uh, um, a friend of Tony's, who was a coworker of my mom's, um, heard mom, heard from my mom what was going on with me that I had just kind of mentally and emotionally declined and physically declined since I had put my seizure alert doll. Her name's Princess, so since I put Princess to sleep. And so um, this lady, her name was Lynette, she um, she told Tony about it, and Tony took the time out of what he was doing that day and went and met with my mother, and which blew her mind. I don't think she could quite, she couldn't quite wrap her mind around this man wrote the American for Disabilities Act. I, I, I lived the American for Disabilities Act. You know, I knew every... I was quoting it just to get in the door sometimes with my with my puppy, and so um, and had done some a little bit of work um, for the college I tried to go to um, with this with the Institute for Disability Studies there. So I'd done a lot of studying of it, and so he sat with mom um, and listened. To, uh, my mom just told me earlier today that he didn't act, act like she needed to hurry in any kind of way. You just sit there and tell me, Mama, what's going on with your baby, and 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 told him told him told her about his personal experience with it and and from there um connected with a doctor that in long road within um four or five weeks I was on a medicine that that started to control my seizures it was the um the Depakote extended release which I had I tried but I had not known that they had had an extended release on the market and so um in that you know I, I tell people Tony didn't just um connected with a doctor, it was the fact that the man who wrote the law that had protected me since I started college um, and high school and about the time I started getting sick um, had enough time to sit with my mother and be, be genuinely concerned. And for some reason, that turned my little spiritual head around and my emotional head around to jump back in the hospital and, and give another new medicine a try. And so um, after a good couple of weeks, I'll, if you have epilepsy, you know it takes a couple of weeks <laughs> or sometimes six weeks, six to eight weeks um, to see if you're going to get any benefits and to get therapeutic level. But I, I remember that moment that I had not had a seizure in two days and then three days and then four days. And it, that, that first year, it took me a minute. I was used to being unconscious or, or sick for a big portion of the day, so my days seemed really, really long. Um, so it took me a little while to get used to the almost the time change for somebody who was used to having their consciousness snatched any minute. And after about a year, I got used to that and um, started playing music again, which I had put down. And so I um, started playing in my hometown and also um, got back into school. And I had gone to school and never, I majored in everything and just tried to find a place where someone who might not be there, <laughs> which is hard to, well, please hire me. I might not be here, <laughs> you know, on a daily basis. Um, but I had not been successful in finishing anything. And so I, I just recently, um, after uh, a year of prereqs and um, two years in nursing school, just graduated with my RN degree. And um, and in between, I took a break. <laughs> so, so I have a three-year-old, too, now. And so I took a little break. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm a nurse. 
and I am about to enter my first tax-paying job, which is incredibly exciting. People tell me the taxes will be unexciting <laughs> pretty quick, but I'm about to um, to enter the world of a contributing um, a contributing part of a society and have been seizure-free now for six years. It's amazing when you quit counting because <laughs> I used to count. I used to count the days down to my driver's license, and so. Um, it's it's been quite a while since I've had a seizure, so I'm very blessed. And um, like I said, it was it was Tony's intervention that just kind of I, I I could have tried to seek out help that whole last year, and I just got, I had given up on even getting any better or, or anything. You know, whatever comes out new is not gonna help. Nothing else has, and so it was Tony's intervention that kind of snapped my head around. Um, and then I, he's he checked on me my first semester in nursing school. And at that point, I remember him saying, I get tickled. Um, he says, I'm like, have you ever thought about talking about your seizures? And I was like, oh, no, I try not to talk about that at all. <laughs> it's not so hard to be normal. And he's like, well, isn't that lovely? <laughs> you know, some of us still struggle with it, you know, whatever. And so that really turned my head around to trying to, to think about what, what I've been through and, um, and how that might, my outcome, how that might encourage somebody that, that might kind of quit doing that stuff. It's hard to have epilepsy. So there's a lot full-time job being sick sometimes, and, and so it gets tiring, and so to, to keep at it, it took 15 years for us to get to get some help and to get this kind of control, but um, but anyway, so so now I'm just kind of playing a lot of music. My Oddly enough, my music um, career kind of flourished while I was in nursing school, because I was, for the first time, healthy and playing, and I didn't have the limitations of my muscles being tired and um, or, or getting sick on stage, and so I was able to perform a lot more gigs. And so in these last six years, my life has just blossomed. Like, I've got to live a teenage life. Everything's new. <laughs> and I still haven't been in the ocean, you know. <laughs> I've been waiting on some of the things that were kind of real scary when I was little, but I, when I was younger. But um, but anyway, so that's about where I'm at, I'm at right now. I might have told you it all. <laughs> you know what? That is an awesome story. Well, actually, you a really wonderful person. Uh, I mean, what a story that is. I have to go back, but before I go back now, I just want to remind you, although everyone listening to the show, we've been on the air for 12 years, and by the way, thank you, all you great listeners, for being supportive. Thank you, Highmark, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and Bear Corporation for sponsoring the show, uh, such great sponsors. But I want to remind everyone again, how I'm living with epilepsy, Yes. how I had an accident in 1985, one night at a movie theater, because my epilepsy was misdiagnosed by a doctor. In other words, he didn't tell me I had epilepsy. And one night at a movie theater with my husband, I had a seizure, and I hit the floor so hard that I fractured my skull, had an intracranial brain hemorrhage, broke all the bones in my right ear and ended up having uh, life-saving brain surgery. And this mm. is when they tell me that I have epilepsy. And then I start taking Dilantin, and all of a sudden, all those fainting spells I used to have went away. So, of course, they were seizures. And, you know, I took this Dilantin for years, but it started to impact my calcium. And then I started taking Lamictal. Now, a year ago in March, my mother passed away. And after that, I did have a major seizure, plus when I, um, you know, went from Dilantin to Lamictal, I also had some seizures. So I know what you're talking about, but I have to tell you, 
having three a day. Having one a year is too much, let alone having three a day. But I'm with you. I know, well, you know, I know what it is. Carol told me you'd had one after not having any, and, and it's amazing. A lot of the people who know me now didn't. I mean, when I moved back home to my hometown, and they had not seen me and been around, you know, the people that took care of me every day and were used to it, and so they forget. But I, I it looms over me all, all the time. I, I'll be doing some of these great things, and I'll be like, wow, I could go out at any minute. <laughs> Just any minute I could I could fall. And so when she told me about you having one, that, that – it, the the stress of I might have one is so great that it builds up. And you know when I was having them all the time, I kind of I woke up this in the morning like I'm gonna have one, and, I, and then I'd wake up to the next one. I'm gonna have another one. And so the the but the, the the anxiety does build up. I think after you go a little while because you you never really find a comfortable place if your consciousness has ever been not in your control. You know. So. Yeah. Well, hey, remember now. I had a traumatic event, and I was changing medication, and since then, yes. you know, you'll be fine, because this yeah, but I, I know I get, exactly, Tony talks about that all the time, is the feeling of not being in control, and when we That's come it. back, when we come back, we're going to break, but when we come back to with Amy, we've got a lot more to talk about, so don't you dare go away, this is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disabilities matter at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with it. From the vehicles we drive to life-saving medical devices, high-performance materials from Bayer Material Science contribute to the creation of products that positively affect our lives every day. Bayer has long believed in the competitive talent that people with disabilities contribute to the workplace, to our workplace. Such a diverse workforce is essential to helping us fulfill our mission. Bayer, science for a better life. For more information, please visit materialscience.bayer.com. At Highmark, we believe in the power of difference, of making a difference, of embracing difference, of bringing differences together to create a stronger, more vibrant workforce. It's at the heart of who we are, and it earned us recognition as one of the top 50 employers by Careers and the Disabled magazine. We promise to continue celebrating diverse individuals because inclusion benefits all of us and makes our company and our communities a better place. To find out more, visit Highmark.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back, everyone. This is Joyce Bender, and we are talking today to Amy Lott, musician headquartered in Mississippi, and 
We are going to talk next about Tony Coelho, and I know, Tony, um, I know how you listen to this show, and I guess I'd say we have probably two of your biggest fans right here right I now. I probably so. I was... <laughs> I adore the man. I would adore the man if I just read about him on Wikipedia or whatever. The, but um, I adored him before he helped me, which is the with the laws that protected me and the and the things that he did to help change this world for us. It, it's so. But, but when you talk to him, he's such a humble, sweet, kind, uh, comforting soul that, that that you just can't help but love that man. He is amazing. Well, I do love him, and I've known him. Oh, let's see now. Since 1996, I think it is. And I met Tony uh, when I was appointed to the President's Committee on Employment of People with Disabilities under President Clinton, and that Tony was the chair. That's who he reported to. And, of course, Tony is a former congressman. He was whipping Congress. He uh, ran the Gore campaign. He had to step out for a while because of an unrelated illness. I always say if he had not stepped out, Gore would have been the president because he, as chief of staff, was just, I mean, as the campaign manager, was phenomenal. Um, And Tony, his work with all the presidents, he's worked with, you know, all the last presidents. He's just so powerful, so well-known, but to us, he is the author of the Americans with Disabilities Act as a result of his own epilepsy. And so I cannot imagine the impact when you think about it. He really did save you, Amy. It, it, it was my, I remember vaguely. I mean, my memories from those 15 years of having that many seizures, I, I had a, a, a big group of people, a constant rotation group of people who cared about me and did selfless things to help me get that, those couple hours I was okay. They, let, they wanted me to have as normal of a life as possible. And so, um, so the, but by the time I, by the time I got to the end of where I was at when he, when my mom came over, um, I, I was going to tell you my memories are fogged for those fifteen years. I had so many seizures. It's like you put all my for fifteen years of my life. It's like you put everything that happened to me in a bag and shook it up. And I might be right about some of it. Or no, I mean I remember the, some important big things, but but it's the times get off and everything. And and so, but I remember Mama saying, Amy, it's the man that. Yeah, it gives me going, Mom, no, I'm tired. I'm just, I don't want to do any more epilepsy floors. And I'd, I'd been in a monitoring unit. I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet I've been monitored for years. I mean, if you added up all the time of me sitting on one of those floors and waiting for them to diagnose me, uh, you know, for the first couple of years, they, there's nothing wrong. We don't see anything going on. <laughs> it's just the, the epilepsy world of getting a diagnosis and, and finding out what's really wrong with you is, is, a, is a difference than a lot of other um, of medical disorders. But, um, but when she said it's the guy who wrote the American with Disabilities Act, I had studied it. And I had loved it, and I had used it, and I, you know, and I had scared people with it when they wouldn't let me in. You know, a lot of times when I needed princess to go with me, um, and someone would go, "Oh, we don't want that dog in here. You're not blonde," you know, and and I couldn't trick them with just putting glasses on or whatever the little things I did just to survive. And so, um, and so I already, I already owed this person. And so when she said he came to me and talked to me, it got me up. Uh, what? Who? <laughs> He could have been Brad Pitt to, to a normal person. You know, it's like the most important person in the world. And so that that's 
for someone who was basically suicidal at that time and just tired, and just tired. I wasn't tired of life. I love life, but I was tired of, of just just tired of the journey I was on. Um, Tony made me feel like, you know what? I know he had seizures, so if he's doing all that, and I'm doing, you know, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm kind of pitying myself. I just, I got up and tried again, and and that would have been enough. But the fact that he's encouraged me, um, these times he's talked to me since I've been better, it, it it's overwhelming kindness. I, I like to think that one act of kindness of him walking over and saying, well, let me meet this mother, and and spending that time with him changed. 50, 60 people's lives in Meridian who love me. I have a child now who's here because I was able to have a child. You know? And so um, I, I would never dream. I, I, I have a good, good mama, so I always wanted to be a mama. And I, I never even considered the fact. I still get shot. I look in the rearview mirror while I'm driving sometimes. I'm like, how did this happen? <laughs> you know? This is wonderful. And, a lot, and the next thing I thought I have is that, that kind, that Tony did something kind, and it, it changed the world over in, in the South for us. It, it truly did. So the hey, minute you think you don't hey, have time hey, to go do something, hey, somebody go do it. <laughs> Brian, he has helped so many people that it is absolutely unbelievable what that man has, does, and continues to do with his life. I am just blessed that he's been my mentor and the chairman of my advisory board. But, you know, I want you to listen what Amy said. One act of kindness. One act of kindness. kindness. You know, at Bender Consulting Services, every year for the past 11 years, we have a theme for the year. Then we have, I send out to everyone a quote every month, you know, about the theme. And this year, the theme is kindness. And there you go. Tony Quello. One act of kindness. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful it is. thing. It, it is. He's a powerful man. He truly is. So, well, Amy, I, I, guess you, I guess you found out you had epilepsy after the accident. I mean, it was a it, long road, and I, I actually had an experience like yours. Um, I, 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 I started out, I was in a car accident. I was in a car accident right down from my house, but it was a um, closed head injury. Um, I didn't swell, and so we thought well, I was okay, and I slept, and then started having seizures a couple weeks later. And I, the bleed was going in. And so, um, but the, my EEGs were normal there forever, for a long, long time. And so I didn't ever got a diagnosis, and that's why we kept, and I also I'm allergic to Dilantin, which is uh, back then, and I know a lot of new things have come out, but back then it, that was the easiest one for people to take. It had the least amount of side effects, even though if, if anybody's listening take it, they're like, what? <laughs> side effects are hard. But um, but the, it had the least amount as the phenobarbitals and all those. And so, um so I was I was severely allergic to that. My throat would close up, and so I um, couldn't take that, and so it made control even worse. Um, but from that, I, I kept pushing, and my parents, um, you know, when I they they stayed by me. Almost. I tell people all the time until I got princess, I didn't even take a shower without my mom, like right next to me. But when you're when you're hitting the floor cold three times a day, you're going to hit your head again. And so I fell down some steps in my church and hit my head again. And after that, started showing um, dystonic. Um, contractures between my seizures. Like I would have a seizure and I'd wake up in a full tetanus um, and be awake. So that kind of pulled me out of the seizure. And sometimes the pain from that would knock me into another seizure. And it just got to where it was a, kind of a miserable episode. It wouldn't just be a seizure and then they get up. I'd, I'd wake up in full body cramp. And, and But not a tonic-clonic, but I was I was awake. My jaw would, would um, 
come open and it's like, and my um my toes would be touching the ground and my uh, head would be touching the ground but my back would completely arch up and it and it was incre- incredibly painful and incredibly painful for um the people who loved me to watch because it was almost like watching someone go through child uh, having child um contractions and um that was from that second head injury and so then that's when it got so complicated because I had two separate head injuries that were triggering each other, and so um, they would put me on something for dystonia, and it would say, if you have seizures, talk to your doctor, <laughs> you know, and it would just, it got, it got, it got really messy there all, all the way until um, Depakote always worked for me, but I had to take too much of it to where I was just, I mean, I, I couldn't take enough to make it, to get complete control, but when the extended release came out, that, that was, that was kind of the drug that was going to work for me, I just, I needed something that would stay in my system and didn't have such a short half-life, so, um, so, but but the, my seizures got that, that's when when I started hitting the Mayo Clinic and I was patient at um at Johns Hopkins for a good a good amount of time and 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 just really they kind of got to a place where they just didn't know what they were going to do besides the as much palliative care you know here's the dog and here's these things we can do to try to help you through it um but but never had a medicine that made them any less honestly um until until the Depakote extended release was tried so. It um it, it did get I did not really get a diagnosis of epilepsy until years I mean like 19 I think is when it, when that finally came down um it, it, my mom and I were talking about today um this radio show actually is amazing what things do it's a hard thing to talk when when you have a child that's sick that's that's got now that I'm a mom that's harder than what I was going through in my opinion you know and my mother watching her 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 child be sick that 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 consistently. Um, and, and going through those painful episodes, but she, um, she, she kept at it. I mean, my mother would take me to the next hospital. If that doctor couldn't figure anything out, we were off to the next one. She was going to, you know, gonna figure it out. But, um, she was talking to me about how frustrating it was to go to a hospital and be there for weeks and be in the epilepsy monitoring unit where they keep you up all night and they do the strobe lights in the morning and you're, you're, you're stuck to bed. And of course, these were my teenage years, you know, where I was missing prom. And I remember one doctor brought me prom just as a child at the hospital. And I thought, this is so lovely with the EG leaf <laughs> on my head. But, um, but, but she was a precious doctor. But, um, but my, my mother talked about how frustrating that can get for people with epilepsy. And of course, I've met so many by being in the hospital that you go and you do all that to try to find something. And sometimes you go home and you know nothing more. And uh, especially especially back then in the 90s when, when I mean, I feel like we're getting better, um, a lot better at, at, at dealing with it. But, um, but, you know, back when the epilepsy machines were on VHS tapes and, and they were taping and videotaping, it wasn't, I'm sure it's digital at this point. But, um, but anyway, but my mother was talking about it is a frustrating road um, for someone with epilepsy. And if anybody's listening that has epilepsy and you're you're tired of the doctors, especially in your teenage years, I mean, you're, you're, for a teenager, peers are the most important thing to you. So the last thing you want to be doing is sitting in a hospital when your peers are doing this other thing and, and it, or be different at all. You know, Princess was the coolest, my seizure alert dog was the coolest thing ever. It's one of the things that make, my seizure is okay to me because I got to experience that love and devotion of a very intelligent animal that um, had only my interest in mind. And then I, I kind of felt like not many people spend 24-7 every minute of their life with a creature of God. And and so I, 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 knew, I, felt, uh, the, I knew a dog better than I would have by just having a pet. 
um, by just having her around all the time. So, so that was a neat thing. But in high school, that was not so cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I was already not so cool. And here I'm going to bring a drug dog in because that's what she was before <laughs> she came. Before she became a seizure alert dog, she was a police dog. And so she could smell every drug in the, in the locker. <laughs> so, oh, no wonder they didn't like that dog, huh? I yeah, can no, see. I, I can see why they didn't like that dog. So but you know what? Thought, you know lots what? of people thought they had epilepsy. They didn't. <laughs> right. But you know what? I want to talk a little bit more about that. But we have to go to break. And okay. by the way, if you just joined the show, we've been talking to Amy Lott, uh, a musician, a person living with epilepsy, who is now seizure free, who lives in Mississippi. <laughs> this is Joyce Bender, America's voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. At Highmark, we believe in the power of difference, of making a difference, of embracing difference, of bringing differences together to create a stronger, more vibrant workforce. It's at the heart of who we are, and it earned us recognition as one of the top 50 employers by Careers and the Disabled magazine. We promise to continue celebrating diverse individuals because inclusion benefits all of us and makes our company and our communities a better place. To find out more, visit Highmark.com. From the vehicles we drive to life-saving medical devices, high-performance materials from Bayer Material Science contribute to the creation of products that positively affect our lives every day. Bayer has long believed in the competitive talent that people with disabilities contribute to the workplace, to our workplace. Such a diverse workforce is essential to helping us fulfill our mission. Bayer, science for a better life. For more information, please visit materialscience.bayer.com. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the show. We are talking to Amy Lott, a wonderful young woman, 
who lives in Mississippi, a musician, now starting her work as a registered nurse, who is also a person who has lived her life with epilepsy. And you know you were talking uh, on the last segment of the show about uh, a seizure dog. My first question is, I know you're not using a seizure dog now, but did you get another dog? I didn't, and we were, that was, uh, the the grief of losing her um, overwhelmed me. I, I, I didn't prepare myself for it, and when, when, it, when she was not there that that day, or when I came home from the vet, I didn't want another dog. You know, there was no, in, in my little mind, there was nothing that could replace that beautiful creature, and and I wasn't thinking clearly. I was I was in the very throes of grief. I, I kind of felt like I, I, you know, this this freedom I had been allowed, and this ease of she she we we got to where we were in a groove where she she was noticing mannerisms and and sense and you know so she could tell me a pretty good bit ahead. And she also um, they trained her to um, go get somebody. Which in the dorm room, you know, that was wonderful. So we we made my door handle with a rope on it where she could open it, and if I was having a seizure, she would alert me, and then she would go to the. They trained her to go to the RA's room, and so. But then, if she couldn't find anybody, she would actually come and lay herself across me. So it was a lot of safety for someone who's having that many um, to know that at least I'm not going to have a seizure into the wall or into a brick. You know, if I can get myself in a in a ser- in a, in a decently safe place I might can make it by myself it didn't happen very often I, I really had a lot of people around me all the time but um but so when she passed away I didn't want another dog and then Tony Cahila swooped in like a couple weeks later I mean it was that kind of time and where we we were talking about getting another dog and then my mom met Tony within those next couple of weeks and so the timing was the timing worked to where I, I would have started to get another dog if this medicine didn't work I, I suggest to anybody who has them a lot um, the, or, or if you have a child that has one, because I know as a parent, um, things like water or your, you know, you're an enemy if your kids having seizures all the time, and, and things that most people don't see as dangers are, are, are dangerous for us. And so having that dog bark, and you can run into the other room, really helps the peace of mind for the mom and the person having the seizure. And and it is, you know, I, I was blessed because she was so highly trained when I got her. She, being a police dog first, she already had a lot of um, obedience skills and, and other skills like we were talking about. <laughs> she smelled things that weren't epilepsy, but um, but she um, she she came into the epilepsy training just so easy. And I know some people that have service animals, I've, I've had a couple friends that have had them, and they get frustrated during the training part. But it is it, it was what gave me my wings during that that time it, it gave me a difference between staying at home with mom and dad but and just not just staying at home with mom and dad staying at home with mom and dad staring at me <laughs> looking right at me at any point um to, to them giving me a little bit of freedom and a little bit of alone time and um and, and like I said it took me a little while to get adjusted to her but I, I think about that, that animal every day <laughs> every single day of my life I will always look back to her and know that there were many times that I would have been um I could have hit my head or done some things. Uh, maybe not, probably not be here. Not no way I'd be here. No way I'd be as happy and healthy of a person if I wouldn't have had the security of knowing she was always going to do the same thing, which was go get somebody and alert me. And so, um, and so, like I said, I was blessed with an incredible. She was she was a neat creature, and um, I know some people that you have to keep working and find one that works. But I, I was not in the mood to um, when she had passed away to even think about another dog. Um, I was just ready to quit. And and that that when I look back on that, it kind of makes me feel like a quitter. But I, I was just I was flat exhausted. I think from the fight I had given that far, 
and the time the time of this world and of God and the things I believe in is so perfect that Tony came in not it wasn't weeks that my mom met met Tony Camilo after that so so I did not have to get another service animal um, but I suggest them to anybody having them having frequent seizures uh, it really they they are amazing creatures and they're finding out they can do all dogs can smell cancer and I mean that, that's all study where they were trying to figure out. Um, how the dog was smelling cancer, not so they'd go sniff the patients, but so they could figure out which odor it was and then detect the cancer from that and, you know, from that chemical. And and so the the, the dogs really, the service dogs really are just an amazing thing to me. Every time I, I see one, I want to pet one, but we don't. <laughs> but but they, they, are, they are incredible. They're really, really neat. Oh, I agree with you. Many of my... I have her, I have her name tattooed on my back, and I'm not, I'm a Southern Baptist girl. <laughs> anything she was that important you know what I have um, many employees who are blind and they Mm -hmm. have service dogs and I I know exactly what you mean you know if you would ever get another dog as a pet you will love the dog but it's different than a service dog it's different and they're good dogs and they're good pets but Princess was an she was like a um, she was like a mom and she was like a kid because I took care of her too, you know. And she still had to go out and dog and feed her. And but she was like a piece, an extension of my body. By the time we were we were we were um, had been together for ten years. Um, I, I still, when I started nursing school, I'd not had seizures in years. And that first desk I sat in, I reached down to pet her because I was so used to you know having her right under my feet. And you you can't you don't. Um, you don't. Nobody saw me without her, and so it was. It was really. It's a neat bond, but it's 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 a sad bond because the dogs don't live till they're 100. I wish they did. I wish there were um, seizure or sea tortoises or something that could you know because it is a hard 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 thing to, to lose. But the 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 joy she brought me was worth the the, the pain it took to you know not to have her around anymore. Um, she and then on top of it, I tell everybody, she, even if she didn't tell me anything about my seizure, she was just cool. <laughs> she was just a neat, she was a neat um, spirit to be around. She really was. Well, um, let me she, ask, let me ask you this question: When you, you know, when you met someone and you had uh, a seizure, or if they saw you had a seizure, or if they knew you had epilepsy, did you ever notice people treating you differently? That that um most most of the time I woke up to people honestly like if they were in my life they were the kind of people that that knew knew what was going on with me because I I, I did get out there and try to live anyway and so I had seizures everywhere I mean I, every bathroom every classroom every um so a lot of people knew I had seizures before they approached me um people treated me differently in the fact that they babied me and they took care of me and they did great things more than you would just a person that's walking around. I, I, I get, I think back sometimes that I never, I don't think I ever gave anybody gas money, but I still made it around. You know what I mean? So, so people were kind and gracious. Now every now and then there were people who, yeah, I had a teacher, a couple of teachers that would go, right, you need to go home, you know, or this is too much trouble or, um, but honestly, I don't know if it's because I live in the South and I don't, I don't, I, I, I didn't get a lot of the, um, I, discrimination in a way, but I didn't get any un- unkindness. Um, there were things that I was told I couldn't do, and there was not a, you could call Tony Cahillo in the ADA, but this person really didn't care and knew I wasn't going to go to all that trouble. I was just going to quit. And so there were a couple of times that was happening, but more more than not, I, I, I have my life and my, um, my, my good life now to, I have about 5,000 people to thank for that, for, for sitting on the floor. When you have three a day, that's, 
that's a lot of health care. Um, I, I got as a nurse, I, I know that that's, that's a lot of people missing work or doing this because they took a shift or um, in college, I had a list on the door that had a hundred people's names on it that would come help or had their, you know, when they didn't have class and they, you know, a best friend that organized it to make sure everybody was not missing what they had to miss. And, and then of course I had the Institute for Disability Studies down there that just really um, organized me getting to go. I mean, people really tried to give me that, that, that couple of hours and be normal. And during that time, they tried to treat me normal, but, but it was hard to with a big German shepherd and, and those things. But I, I really didn't get a lot of the meanness. Um, I think it was because I was so sick. I was kind of bubbled from that, I, from the, from, I didn't go get a job anywhere with the Institute for Disability Studies. If I would have tried to go get a job at, um, you know, somewhere that didn't have, that didn't have that kind of mentality, I don't, it, it, it wasn't even a possibility um, to me. Now that I um, that I that I quit having seizures, I, I started to feel that stigma, and and didn't tell the nursing school, which was almost comical because I grew up in Meridian and went to nursing school in Meridian, and half of these teachers lived next to aunts, you know, where it's a southern town, and didn't tell them I had epilepsy that first year, thinking I was keeping a big secret from them. And and when I finally told them, they're like, Yeah, well, okay, <laughs> we know, um, and we're glad you're you're ready to start talking about it again. But um, but I I really I know the um. Uh, epilepsy is a is a hard it's a hard disorder to understand unless you have it or have somebody in your family and you and you want to understand it because there's so many facets of it and there's so many different kinds and then the it's a scary event to see someone have a seizure especially if you don't know what's happening so I, I think that um, people do get treated with the, the, it's the to me it's always fear if, if someone's treating you poorly they're fearing something <laughs> well, well you so, know what Amy you know what just today. I taught a class to high school students with disabilities, and it was so terrible. Now, they have all types, epilepsy, autism, learning disability, you know, all types of disabilities, blind. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about bullying, and yeah. I, I, this is a big thing to me because kids with disabilities are now bullied more than any group, brutally bullied. And um, a, a couple of them told me, yeah, they considered suicide because they just didn't feel like they were worth anything. Now, remember, these are kids that are like 14 to 18 telling me this. So since many young people listen to this show, and I know they'll just be so into it that you're a musician, so Amy, Amy, what advice would you give to any young person listening to this show right now that's getting on Facebook, why don't you die, you're weird, or if they have a seizure, you're a freak? I mean, what advice would you give to them? The way I saw it, and, 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 the, and the, it was something my grandmother used to always say, that, that a bully's not going to bully you unless it's successful bullying. You know, if they're not... If they're bullying bullying you and it's bothering you, and at first it's always going to bother you, always going to bother you for someone to say something hateful to you, especially when you're facing something already. It's a double whammy because, you know, normal kids get bullied and they they commit suicide. And so the first thing I would say is don't feel weak or, or bad because it makes you feel bad. It should make you feel bad. But the next step I took was, okay, I've got this, this thing wrong with me. So, 
I mean, some people have mountains to, I'm going to quote um, something from the port sessions that Scott, the interviewer, said this great thing. He said, some people have mountains to climb at 10, some don't have to climb until they're 50, and some don't have to climb until they're 70. And so if you're a teenager with a disability like blindness or epilepsy or, or, or any of these things, you are facing adult problems with a teenage mind that's that size old. So welcome to the club. You're a bigger, you're a more mature person than, 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 than most people your age walking around. And it's not their fault they're not mature. They're just not having to face, you know, what, what you're facing. And so my advice to you is just to, I always saw myself as different. I had a lot of 80-year-old friends, and the, those were those were people taking as many medicines as me and uh, feeling the same way. And they always had this attitude of, in, uh, you know, unless you're whatever you say is not going to hurt me unless I show you that it does. And if I don't show you that it does, you're probably you, it's it's not fun for you anymore to keep bullying. And so it's um is it, that that just the. Uh, to realize that you're part of a club of people who who mature quick, mature early, and these these people who are bullying you aren't part of that club. They didn't. They have not. They're not facing it. They're 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 acting like teenagers and they're and cruel and and unkind. But they they don't understand what you're going through because they haven't had it. And that, that that's not always the case. And there's always exceptions. But um, but the main thing is is if if you can somehow at least for a minute, act like it doesn't bother you, it kind of sinks in. I mean, I was, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't like saying, I'm from the South, so we don't like saying anything mean. I mean, there are people who were ugly to me when I was young, and, and, and people who didn't want the dog there, and people who called me names, and, and the, I grasped and held on to the people who didn't call me those names. And they were usually other people who had problems or had things that were not not as easy as, as just not, you know, it's just growing up. Growing up's hard anyway. But if you throw a disability in there, then it's just a ridiculous amount of hard. And, but my advice, more not advice, because everybody's got to take their road the way they do and, and learn how to, learn how to get, get by, but it's to hang on. To just keep hanging on because you're, you're, you're a teenager and it could get a lot better. Um, by the time you're 30, and I can assure you that if it does get better by the time you're 30 and you fought through 15 to 30, 30 is a lot better for us because my my life is like um, everything's so great because I don't take anything for granted. And so yeah, oh, yeah. If you can that, just keep pushing, so then you get to see life through these. It's like, you know, all these kids with the Instagram filters. My whole life looks like it's through one of those great filters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it, water spots are fun, and, and little things are fun. Or, or, or when I see somebody or somebody, you know, adults get bullied, too. It's called, like, an abusive relationship, you know, or, or, or a bad work relationship. You know, we get bullied into doing things. It's not it's not usually as harsh or mean, but sometimes we find ourselves doing something we didn't intend to do, and that person just bullies me into doing that. Um, even that, when you if you make it through and you keep pushing us on with a disability and you make it to 30 and you start doing these things, you start seeing things different. So there's, it'd be real hard to know that at 15. So I, what I would tell a 15-year-old is just grab hold, hang on, hang on. I promise, I promise, if anything, even if it gets worse, it's still going to get better. And, wow, and if, that is great advice. So, Amy, look at you. Look how much you've accomplished now in your life. You know, musician, lived through all of this with epilepsy, and went on to school. You know, now you're an RN. Um, I mean, that that is so awesome. But what would you consider your greatest accomplishment? I'm going to tell, tell myself. Hey, well, the first thing I consider is my greatest accomplishment is that little boy. Um 
when I'm a single mom, I'm a completely single mom. I, when I when I quit having seizures, I went through a little teenage phase where I didn't understand relationships. Not you know, my parents wanted to give me as much freedom as possible, but I still had a 15 year old mindset of I never really had an unprotected mom and dad didn't know everything about the person relationship. And so I mean, I had I, I don't have a um, father in the picture at all. And and so I to me when when I realized that that was going to be the case, I was terrified to have a baby because that's sometimes when you have a seizure. And um and, and terrified of the Depakote and so I I kept pushing through and I and I and I and I've I have to say I've worked I've worked my rear end off to to make sure he's fed and I'm fed and and that our not just that but that our lives got better like that's why you know I went to nursing school to, because I knew as a musician I couldn't provide him a lot of stability I mean being a musician is great and it's it's a wonderful job and I love the gift you give people when I play in the nursing homes and I play places but it doesn't have health insurance attached to it and it doesn't have um you know security and I knew I wanted that for him since there wasn't a, a father around. So that that's what I feel the most proud of. But well, about the time I was twenty six and I didn't think I was going I, the doctors never told me I you know if I kept having seizures like I was having, I wasn't gonna live very long. I mean I had the suicide uh, ideations they 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 were kinda well based because I had a lot of doctors saying she can't push on like this. Just have I mean I had the the I just had them so many, my blood pressure, everything was just, it, things were not going right. And so I thought one day when I started playing rock and roll music, I think I'll just start smoking. I mean, if I'm not going to live till 70 anyways, and they're smoking cigarettes, I'll start smoking. And so I started smoking and got addicted and then didn't die, you know, looking at a long life in front of me. And so when I got my RN license, I have quit smoking. And it has been a hard thing to do because I, I didn't realize how much I depended on it for stress and for all these things. So, um, but but I, I've just now I've been forty something days. I've quit counting. I've quit thinking about it, which is awesome. But I, the quitting smoking and and doing that last little thing for my my, my child and for me, um, it, it's to 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 say my biggest accomplishment is simply refraining from something that was bad for me. <laughs> I know you know what? that's really but, great. That's great that it, you did that. I know that I just gave me a new tool for in the hospital. It, it was hard to tell a heart patient or any patient, you know, you really shouldn't smoke. Um, the, the South, we, we, a lot of people smoke. I mean, and I'm a musician saying all my friends smoke. And so to, for them to see me quit, during, you know, during a high stress, getting bored and say, you know, the day I find out I'm an RN, I'm putting it down and I have put it down and I have not touched one. And first seven days, this is what I'm going to tell you, any smoker, first seven days were horrible. Don't expect to be, don't just, just stay at home. If you can take off a week and just lay in your bed and chew on your pillow. I got pounds and pounds of beef jerky. But after the seventh day, if you really want to quit, it was not as hard as I thought it was going to be. So that that jump to do something that big for me, and my child, when I when you know I'm kind of like I don't have anything left to be cigarettes, you know. I had to well, but you know what? That, that's a great thing, and that's a great message right there to everyone. It was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be, and that's my well, message: is that the support is is great, but if you if you can hang out past that seventh day and you really want to quit. It is not the battle I thought it was going to be. Uh, well, and I, I'll, I'll tell you what, Amy. Let me tell you the saddest part. The saddest part is we're coming to the end of the show. So I have, wait a minute, I have to take one minute to not only thank you, but to tell you you how proud I am of you and how many people you're going to help, especially people with epilepsy, just hearing you. So thank you for being with us. If I can say just one little thing, if you do have epilepsy and you feel discouraged like you're never going to get better, 
I felt that way for so long and I had such a terrible case of it that the miracle sometimes is right around the corner. Sometimes it's not, and you got to push another year. But the longer you push, the better it feels when it comes. Well, that, just is keep, a, keep that, that is a great message. And Don't by the way, hope. we end every show with a quote from someone that has impacted the lives of so many people, and that would have to be Tony Quello, who says epilepsy is just part of who I am. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.